Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Apple Strudel. Turnover's little brother. Next on The Bruce Collins Show. The Bruce Collins Show, daring to take radio past the point of no return. Theater of the Mind. Show. Welcome back to the Bruce Collins Show. Well, we survived Black Friday, we survived Thanksgiving, and we survived another debate. This time it was the CNN uh, security debate, national security. And uh, funny thing is, nobody talked about the shield of faith. Everyone talked about borders, bombs, and bullets, but nobody talked that much about the shield of faith. Well, what can you expect? They're politicians. I thought Ron Paul did pretty good. Anyway. As I said before, welcome back to the Bruce Collins Show. I'm Bruce Collins. Tomorrow our guest is Dr. Bob Curran. His book is The World's Creepiest Places. And this is a page-turner. In fact, they talk about a creepy place. It's, I lived about a block away from for about 15 years, the Winchester Mystery House. And a uh, great book, interesting guest. He's all the way from Ireland. Again, tomorrow at 11 a.m., Dr. Bob Curran author of the book, The World's Creepiest Places. And I should tell you that tomorrow is our last day on WSMN. We're going full-time, devoting full-time to Fringe Radio Network. So to continue listening to the show, you can 
keep subscribing to us on iTunes as Fringe Radio Network or go to FringeRadioNetwork.com where you'll find the shows every week. And thank you so much for listening to this program. And now, without further ado, we're bringing him back, the man who likes to wear stretchy pants at home, Chad Miles, with the coveted Chad Miles report that he's been doing since the days of his parents' basement with a Commodore 64 and a ditto machine. That's right, the world-famous Chad Miles report. Hey, Chad, welcome back. Yeah, I go way back. Way back. Old school. That's right. Played the Atari 2600. Oh, I did my, too. In my spare time. I, I racked up like millions and millions of points on Defender because yeah. I, I played it the easy, the easy version of it, and I was playing for hours. I was you so know, proud of myself. When we first uh, got an Atari 2600, um, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world to be able to play Space Invaders. Mm-hmm. in my house. I just, that totally blew my mind. And now you're talking about Space Invaders. And now... <laughs> wow. And now the Strange technology parallels. we have today makes that look like uh, Texas Instruments. Pencil company. drawings. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. You used to live a block away from the Winchester house? I did. Really? I did. The Winchester Mystery House is on Winchester Street. And How I lived... That? I lived near Bascom Avenue, which is a block away. Is that the house that the Winchester family yes. built the firearms family, right? Correct. And they and now there's there was a story that if they kept they had to keep adding on to the house or something like that? Yes, yeah, she visited a psychic and the psychic told her that she would die unless she kept building the house and so she built a lot of trap doors and staircases that went up to the ceiling and you'd open some doors and there was a wall behind it because she thought that she was, I guess, fooling the spirits so they wouldn't find her or something like that. But and they, these were the spirits of the, all the people who had been killed by their firearms, right? Uh, allegedly. I think so. Well, yeah, allegedly, of course. That's kind of, a, people kind can, of ridiculous. People can take tours even today and they, they have... I've never done it. I think it's kind of. St- I mean, I I took a tour once many years ago, but I've never done the Friday the Thirteenth tour with, where they go with flashlights. But uh, they do have one. Yeah, this this, uh, this you know supernatural ghost hunters style of thing has really become popular these days. You know. Yeah, they should have something on the Food Network for breakfast toast hunters. <laughs> You know, there's a story in uh, the UK where uh, a family claims that their five-year-old son is being haunted by the man I saw with that. gray skin. Yeah, now, that, did you think of aliens when you heard of gray skin? Yes, like that's the, the first thing I thought of. Now, I'll tell you the, the second thing that stood out when I read this. I, I don't know if you caught this or not. Did you see the boy's name? I did not. The boy's name is Dagon. Ooh. Which sounds very close to Dagon. Which is a uh, an ancient uh, Semitic uh, god. I say god, a small g, uh, probably was some kind of a demonic entity. But it's in there's a biblical uh, story and there's reference to, to Dagon, the, the god uh, Dagon in, in the Bible, and it and uh, Dagon kind of features very prominently in some of the modern occult uh, circles. So I guess the, the the gray skin is the first thing that struck me because that was in the title of the of the article, but the, the boy's name being Dagon really struck me. And also, if you look at the picture, there's a picture of him and his father. Did 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 that picture of his father kind of strike you as a little on the creepy side? Yeah, it did. Like his like his father looks like a practitioner of the dark arts, you know, kind of a thing. Right, dressed in yeah. dressed in all black. Yes, yes, with now, a high collar. So, so the sto- the background story is that this kid, he's five years old, and he's seeing visions of a man with gray skin, I guess at night, whose face, he says, can be seen on a wall of his parents' home also. Six foot by six foot, huh. which I thought was also interesting. Yeah. Those were, th- those were the dimensions. And so what is this guy telling him? Just watch um, more cartoons? I don't know. He's, he's just kind of... Uh, creeping him out, and I think it's almost like a poltergeist thing, where yeah. it's uh, this this uh, 
entity is moving things around or, you know, um, just picking things up and, and yeah. sort of sort of those type those types of things. Now my monitor is a ways away from me, but it, so are my eyes playing tricks on me? Is that little kid is his jacket have an all seeing eye on it? It looks it does look that way. <laughs> and he, it, that the kid now the father's kind of creepy, but the kid yeah. kind of gives me a the willy in this thing. one in this one picture kind of a Damien Thorne yeah. type of vibe too. Yeah, very I, intense the, eyes. Yeah, yes. Of course, if I was being haunted at that age, I would have intense eyes also. Yeah. Um, but the thing that this kind of goes, uh, my just my impression of this story, uh, it kind of reminds me of the, of the story that we talked about a few weeks ago about the, uh, uh, I think it was the Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. where the guy who lived there said, my uncle was summoning demonic spirits in the house and that was the real story behind the amityville horror which makes which makes perfect sense right um and then for some reason and i may be stereotyping this guy but when i saw the kid's name and then i saw what the father looked like Mm -hmm. it just seemed to me like maybe there's something going on something similar going on in that house uh that would lead to this demonic entity being in there and quote-unquote haunting uh this little boy but I feel bad for the little boy. I mean, he's just oh, yeah. a little kid, and he—if there's something really going on, um, then that's just terrible, uh, terrible experience for him to go through. There does look like there's kind of a face on the wall, doesn't? Yeah, there? I was just looking at that too, and I don't know. That's <laughs> it's speculative. But yeah, that's highly speculative. I guess when someone says, "Hey, look on the wall," there's a face. You might tend to see one. Yeah, it's <laughs> like look at that cloud. It looks like a turtle. Exactly. And uh, apparently the kid is, this is pretty traumatic. It's not a friendly being because his father actually said that he's crying about it and he can't sleep at night. And this being sits on his bed and keeps him awake talking to him. Obviously, uh, I would go with the fact that this is probably a demonic being and uh, they need some some kind of Christian help because they're not going to get this thing away from that kid by any other means. No, they definitely need some some prayer and... and, uh well, they need literally need somebody to come in there and pray over that child and pray over that house. But um, you know, maybe some of the listeners who are out there who are Christians, maybe they could pray for this little boy, uh, yeah. and uh, maybe he could uh, receive some help. I believe he's that, in the uh, UK, though. Correct? Uh, yes, I okay. believe so. Yeah, at Bridlington, mm. wherever that is. So you could Google that and find out. But I believe this was from a UK paper, so I believe this is in the UK. Yeah, the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail, which yeah. is a fine, reputable online publication, might I add. Yeah. Well, I'm a, being sarcastic. It, it, the Daily Mail seems a little bit like the National Enquirer. Yeah. <laughs> the, you, the British equivalent of the National Enquirer. It I guess is. maybe not quite that bad. But. And uh, if you hear weird things during these broadcasts, for some reason, whenever uh, Chad and I get together and, and start talking about these strange things, strange things start to happen. Page connection anomalies. That's right. Yes. And I'm not saying what it is. It's just strange things. Don't know what it is. Yeah. And there there was a woman. uh, She's got other physical ailments, but I thought I would throw this in there just because it it shows the other side of walking with God. uh, Yeah, I was just going to bring this up. Oh, go for it. No, no, you go ahead. That's perfect. uh, It's a a lady who has been healed of cancer. And she was posting her her healing in the Red Bluff Daily News. You know, she has other struggles, and we all do, but God has delivered her from cancer, apparently. And I think she went back for testing, and there was uh, there had been a change. She had been healed. Actually, she uh, she had a CT scan, and the results came back on uh, July 28th, and uh, everything was normal. She uh, she was healed, and she le- she she puts a verse in there. She says. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. And uh, she says, the word of God became my medicine, and the great physician, Jesus Christ, is the one who healed me. So that's wonderful, and that really shows a good contrast of what's going on there in England with the little boy and what's going on with this believer who had a physical ailment, cancer, and that's very scary, but she put her trust in God, and I'm sure... People like her family maybe were lifting her up in prayer and believing in in healing. And she has a Bible passage here that I also think is very important. 
and that is this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13, verse 8. And that's important to know because what was Jesus doing on this earth? Uh, she, he was healing the prostitutes, the, the sinners, the, the drunkards, the lepers, the people that other people wouldn't have even touched. Right. He was healing them. Everyone who asked, Jesus healed. Yep. And so a lot of times people think they're disqualified from healing because of things they've done in their past and all of that. Remember, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. I'm not saying not to get right with God, but what I am saying is Jesus wants to heal you. Now, there are situations I can't explain everything and why God has certain things happening, but I believe that God is a God of healing, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he was healing on the earth, he can heal you today. And that's certainly good news as opposed to these people who are living in these houses and being terrified over these, uh, I believe, demonic beings. Yeah, absolutely. And when you sent the story, it struck me, um, when I read this, because basically what happened was she, they, she was diagnosed with cancer, and they told her, you need chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, uh, let me pray about it, and then she refused chemotherapy. And then yeah. she was um, ultimately uh, he- completely healed of her cancer. The thing that struck me is we, uh, my wife and I have uh, some friends, or a friend, who went through almost this exact scenario a few years ago she, uh, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer with a form of cancer I, I don't want to go into too much of the detail sure, sure. she was she but it was almost the same exact thing she was diagnosed with cancer uh, they wanted to do chemotherapy and they wanted to do some other things and she said no and uh, she, she she's obviously she's a Christian she prayed and or whatnot and uh, she was ultimately the same thing she was ultimately healed uh, of cancer, and now she has been cancer-free for uh, several years. I think three years now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, th- this article is—it's it, interesting to read an article, but you know, I have seen this firsthand. Yeah. With people that I know, and it's um, it's 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 incredible, and it's amazing, and it's um, and it's not something that's just uh, available for certain people. Or something that's available uh, only if you go to church every Sunday for for so many years. It's right. available for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's available for anybody who uh, you know asks the Lord for it. It's there. Yeah, and uh, a grandfather that I never met uh, on my father's side was healed of cancer also. And and for purposes of uh, legality, we're not telling people not to accept medicine or accept surgery or accept any of that. What you do is between you and God, I think you should explore all options, but ultimately trust in God because God can deliver you from these things. Um, Put your faith in him. And he can deliver you from really any of these things that we're talking about. Haunted houses, that's no problem for him. What do you think Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago when he cast the legion of demons into the pigs? So it's not a thing that we should be afraid of if you know how to take authority over those things in Jesus' name. And that's important to know. Ghost hunters are not taking these matters and putting these demons, casting them away through the authority of Jesus Christ. They're just hunting them down. And you shouldn't just try to find them on your own, you know, taking a tour of haunted mansions or whatever. But if you should come across these things, you have authority over them in Jesus' name. Yep, that's it. Absolutely, Bruce. Absolutely. Um, now, when you... Um, I'm going to shift gears here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were talking to John B. Wells, which was a fantastic interview, by the way, and if if you're listening to this and you haven't heard the interview with John B. Wells, go back and listen to it because it's 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 fantastic. He um he's an interesting person for yeah. sure. Um, but one of the things that you talked about were the uh, Occupy Wall Street people mm-hmm. movement, mm-hmm. and you know, the Occupy Wall Street movement has had some some serious issues over the past couple of months. Yeah. Um, and there's a you know there's the pepper spray incident that that uh, people are talking about now. 
Um, yeah. but there's been, you know, a lot of crime connected to, to these camps. There's been a lot of uh, other things that I don't want to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically this has been in many ways kind of a nuisance for these cities. So you would think that these cities would want to try to get these people to leave. Right. But that's not the case in Los Angeles. Apparently, Los An- the city of Los Angeles has offered the L.A. protesters office space and farmland. And the ostensibly the excuse is they want to get them... Um, they want to get them off the streets and, you know, kind of get rid of this nuisance thing. But I don't think giving them a city owned, uh, a 10,000 square foot city owned office space, uh, for, for the least price of $1 per year, I don't think that's going to take care of the problem. I don't think it's going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, now, unless you think this is a unique situation, here in Detroit, the same thing is happening. The Occupy Detroit group has um, secured a multi-story office building and um, a renovated 50-unit hotel that will be housing protesters here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So... You gotta kinda sit back and you have to think, okay, wait a minute. These people are, first are of all, where's back? the money coming from? Um. Are you sitting back? I am sitting way back. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> but, uh, you just have to look at this and, and kind of analyze this and try to figure out what's going on. Um. And there are, there's a couple, uh, scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um. One of them is, and we've talked about this on the show before, um, there have been theories and discussion of riots to disrupt the elections in 2012. Hmm. Now, I don't know why these people would try to protest for over a year to get to 2012, but... One of the possible scenarios is that they're going to dig in for the long haul. They have office space. They have uh, housing in the form of, uh, you know, the, this uh, at least here in Detroit, a renovated hotel. Um, so are they digging in for the long haul? Are they going to try to uh, disrupt the 2012 elections? And we've heard um, some politicians uh, jokingly and not so jokingly kind of float the idea. Um, and maybe I'll talk about this. I should, probably should have dug this up for this show. Maybe I'll talk about this on another show. But some politicians have actually talked about that. We, you know, we, we need to suspend the elections, and that's one of the problems that's, in their opinion, that's one of, the elections is one of the problems that's causing the gridlock in Washington, D.C., which is a ludicrous idea. But that's what they're saying. So the idea is, well, if we can just suspend the elections, then we wouldn't have this problem of gridlock, which is absolute nonsense. This was, and I don't know, some of your listeners might remember this, this was a very hot conspiracy theory during George Bush's last year in office. The conspiracy theory was that, or the idea was, that something was going to happen. It was going to be some kind of a false flag, and I'm using air quotes, false flag um, event that would trigger the uh, environment to where the elections would be suspended mm-hmm. and Bush was going to stay in office indefinitely and it was going to be some crazy malevolent dictatorship or something like that. And by the way, let me just circle back and say false flag has got to be the most abused term yeah. in the conspiracy theory Lexicon. Well, you know, I was thinking about that this week, too, because it's an interesting point to make that you're making. Because uh, I was thinking about this. Um, I might be writing a book with Brett Wagner about a lot of these conspiracy theories, but with a, with a healthy dose of skepticism on some of them. But you can understand in some ways why conspiracy theories are so prevalent. 
because what happens is you have something like harp and i don't really i'm not convinced that harp <laughs> modifies the weather i i don't know exactly what they're doing with that but there were all kinds of theories they were going to plant ideas in people's heads and i <laughs> haven't heard yet that they've done that but anyway whatever it is you can understand why people start um, getting into conspiracy theories. It's just like Bilderberg. Bilderberg, who knows what the actual agenda is within Bilderberg? Who knows outside of, I mean, it's troubling, but who knows in, in the, as far as the meetings going on at Bohemian Grove, who knows what they're actually talking about except the people that attend? So it's troubling what we're not told. So there's a vacuum, there's an empty space. So you have to fill that empty space, logic says. So what do you do? You put in speculation, you put in a little bit of fact, and you try to come up with something that makes sense, like harp, you reference Nikolai Tesla, you know, Bohemian Grove, you look at the owl god and you you get an idea that there's something occultic going on there. And you can tie in all these together with a little bit of speculation, which is like a rope that connects the nuggets of fact that are sparsely populated within this empty space that the government is not telling us. It's like Area 51. We don't know anything about Area 51 from the government, so everything we know is from quote-unquote conspiracy theory. So then you have to say, well, what is conspiracy theory? As I said, some of it's fact. A lot of it is heavy, heavy speculation. So you have to sort of come at it with some skepticism, except that a lot of this could be true. A lot of it may not be, but it, it, it does reason why, and that's why I don't look at conspiracy theory people as nutty, it's you do this all the time. I remember years ago, my my girlfriend. There, were, I had a girlfriend that I broke up with that was doing things behind my back, and and we broke up for good reason. But you know, there were things that I was catching that weren't quite right. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and there were stories that that were being brought up that weren't true, and I knew they weren't true. Well, I speculated what was going on. I got some of it right, but about 70% I didn't. And then there were other things that were worse than what I was even speculating on that were, you know, this was back in the early 90s, so don't, don't, uh, don't come against <laughs> me on this. But, you know, the, the point, do you, do you see where I'm going with this is sure. you're, it's natural. If the government is going to lie to us and not be transparent on a lot of this stuff, it is natural for me to, to try to figure out what they're doing. And so I don't consider any conspiracy person as a nut. On the other hand, I don't necessarily just blindly accept everything, every theory that goes out there. So what you were saying was so true about this stuff and, and about how to look at it. Yes, the possibilities are endless. Exactly. <laughs> but... uh was that yeah, a worthy I'm, sidebar, or was that a little bit convoluted? No, that was that was perfect. You're and you're exactly right, you know. And that's I think part of the thing with with conspiracy theory stuff is you're trying to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And um, you know, and and another the flip side to that is you're trying to fill in the gaps, but other people are trying to fill in the gaps for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the the problem comes in because I think. Right. Some people are trying to fill in the gaps for you, but they don't have your best uh, interest. Sort of like David Icke reptilians. Oh, you don't get me started on David (laughs) Icke. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You know Um, that. You know he's a perfect example. And Uh one of the things, see, you're going to get me off on a tangent. I'll just say this very briefly. One of the things that about David Icke, and I was fooled by him for a long time. Not really a long time, but back in the 90s. One of the things that he does, or that he used to do anyway, I don't know if he still does it now, is he would uh, he would claim that things uh, were symbols. Mm-hmm. And the thing about a symbol is it can mean whatever you want it to mean. Right. And so he would take something and say, this is a symbol of, you know, 
the this evil, uh, nefarious, uh, malevolent, worldwide conspiracy, and it's you know, and it's something like, I don't know. Let's just I'm just gonna make up something. Let's just say it's the um, the Brooklyn Bridge, and he would go into this how it was all symbolic, mm-hmm. um, and that's not that's not. An ex- a specific example, but that's just a kind of a, a, a you get the gist of what I'm saying, right? Well, you remember a couple of weeks ago, and I'll I'll be vague, but you and I saw something, and I pointed out to you, and it was a Christian literature, and it it looked like uh, a cultic ankh was in the literature. Now that's not I don't believe what necessarily that it was supposed to be that, but it was a combination of symbols and letters that came together that looked. Look like it was showing an occultic symbol, right? You know. and, and if you and the, that's that's a good point. And, and if you were David Ike, you would go into at least a half hour section of a video or a full chapter in a book, right? About how that was an onk and how it means that you know the Illuminati is doing X, Y, and Z, right? So just and that's you know one of the main reasons that I do this uh, the show with you Bruce is to try to you know just try to inject some common sense yeah into this conspiracy theory stuff because there's plenty of conspiracy theory subjects that are worthy of investigation mm-hmm. that are there's definitely something going on yeah but I got to be honest with you most of it is just plain garbage, yeah. and it's a it's a it's a wild goose chase, uh-huh. and you know I think that that is intentional. I think some people do that on purpose to get people to kind of spread their attention out. Yeah, for a instance, wide spectrum of things instead of focusing it in on one or two things that are important. Right. For instance, a corporation, you know, a corporation. It looks like it's wanting a new world order, which it could very well be, a one-world government, and that they're purposely bringing on the Antichrist. There is another way to look at it, and that is if I was CEO of a multinational uh, corporation, I would want borders to be minimized. I would want my workforce mostly overseas in Asian countries. I would want to screw the little guy. I would want to pay him less. You know, I would want to remove benefits. I would want to try to get every penny I could out of every single employee. And I would want to sell my products as cheap as I could, not caring about uh, political or country allegiances, I would merely want the bottom line. So last week, I believe it was, I made the point that there's direct and indirect actions taken that ultimately look like they're contributing to a conspiracy when maybe the conspiracy is just a sin, like greed, like a corporation taking greed as far as it can go. Looking at that, that looks like a conspiracy. It looks like, oh my goodness, you know, this company right here is destroying the United States. And they are, but their ultimate objective may be income, revenue. Whereas I'm looking at it from a Christian perspective, the people at the top of that company may be so evil that they don't even realize what they're ultimately bringing about. I don't think it's necessarily that they're evil. I think that... um... Greed is evil. Yeah, but uh, there's uh, I think there's probably some tunnel vision going on. And, and yeah, l- let me try to explain what I'm saying. When you're at the top of a corporation, mm-hmm. especially a large corporation, if you're like let's say the CEO or a vice president or something like that, right? You're you, exactly what you said. You're trying to make money. You're trying to cut costs. You, do, I mean, that's that's what you're focused on. You you really don't care. Um, and these, some of these guys will say they do. You don't, you really don't care if you've got to let a hundred people go. Right. To make some kind of a target. Yeah. Okay. Because you're answering to a board of directors and to, uh, corporate shareholders. And, and that's, that's all, yeah, that's what you're focused on, you know? Yeah. Um, now, my, what I'm, and my point is that they might not be evil. Some of them might, maybe, but, my yeah. point is that they're thinking about that. I think there are probably groups and people behind the scenes who who take advantage of that and who use that. Yes. And so 
what I'm trying to say is, um, I'll give you an example. North American Free Trade Agreement. Well, let's just say free trade agreements around the world. This is something that a globalist would want to put into place to knock down trade barriers right. so we could have global trade and you could um, integrate the global economy more and more and more. Right. So a globalist behind the scenes would be pushing this for that reason. Yeah. Corporation or uh, business leaders would want the same thing, but the reason they want it is because it's going to cut costs. It's going, they'll be able to build manufacturing plants in cheaper uh, countries with a cheaper bottom line, with cheaper right. labor, right. you know, blah, 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 blah. So that's one example of how, you know, a globalist or the globalists, quote unquote, use things like that use corporate greed or use corporations to their advantage. Right. And I've said this before. I've said this on different interviews that I've done, and I've said it on this show. If you look at both political parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, they're both working toward the same thing. It's a global economic and political system. Right. The Republicans are working on the economic aspect of it, and the Democrats are working on the political and social aspect of it. But the, at, the, at the end of the day, and I hate to, <laughs> that's an overused phrase too, but I'm going to use it. At the end of the day, they're both working toward the same goal. Yeah. They're just working on two different pieces of it. So whether it's direct or indirect, I guess it really doesn't matter. What ultimately matters is we have this great Occupy movement going on in the United States. And I say great uh, with one foot in and one foot out. But uh, really, God had the ultimate plan. He had the original Occupy plan, which was occupy the land, you know, spread the gospel. So that's that's our weapon, really, against, you know, whether it's direct or indirect, whether it's on purpose or whether it's just tapping into some sinful nature, we have the ultimate weapon, which is to occupy the land and, and spread the gospel and tell people about Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that just goes back to what I try to say on the show with some frequency. And that is, you know, you can look at all the stuff that's going on in the world and you can get very fearful and you can get very scared. But don't be. Um, this has been prophesied. It's been predicted. Just put your faith in the Lord. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and everything's going to work out. Well, and there's hundreds of years in the Bible, stories of people who were in pretty much as bad of situations as we are now, and God delivered them. I mean, they had a ministry, they went forth, they put their trust in Jesus Christ. Some of them died, but I would argue that they're in a better place now. But, you know, ultimately, we know that God's got our back, so we have nothing to fear. Right. But getting back to this... um to the Occupy thing, so there's the, there's the um, there's the theory that the the elections are going to be disrupted, and so uh, like I said before, this was a hot topic when Bush was was president because the the idea was that the elections were going to be suspended, and Bush was going to stay in office. Well, now you've got the <laughs> the reverse going on, or should I say, just a different uh, the same scenario, just different players. Now the idea is that these elections are going to be disrupted and Barack Obama is going to stay in power. Um, same idea as as before, just like I said, just different players. Uh, and there's also um, the idea that this is going to be some kind of an excuse for uh, martial law. Of course, everybody's always looking for an excuse for martial law, it seems like. Um, but, you know, and I got to be honest with you, I thought this Occupy thing was going to fizzle out mm-hmm. by now. And I think I said this on the show, um, you know, when it starts to get cold outside and it's pretty cold here in, in Michigan or here in Detroit, it was it was the 35 degrees, 40 degrees today and it's raining and it's going to be colder tonight. But, you know, I thought... It, at least in in like the, the places like New York 
and, uh, Chicago and, uh, in Detroit, you know, the idea that I was thinking was when it starts to get cold, this thing is going to fizzle out and these people are going to go home. And I have to be honest with you, I did not expect them to be procuring office buildings, yeah. uh, hotels. I didn't see that coming. Um, so this is a very interesting uh, twist. It is. Obviously, these people are getting support. They're getting money. Mm-hmm. And we, there's been other, there's been stories about how much money that they're, that they're receiving. So they're getting support. And, you know, you just got to think, what is, you know, what is going on? They're getting all this money. And then I talked on the show a few weeks ago about how Van Jones, who was a former green jobs czar in the Obama administration, uh, he kind of gave everybody a, a heads up that this was going to happen in an interview that he did. He said, look, you know, we're going to create a counterbalance to the Tea Party movement and we're going to we're going to shake some things up and get ready for it because we're going to, you know, we're going to really get kind of nutty. Hit my words, not his. He didn't say he was going to get nutty, but they're getting nutty. Yeah. <laughs> so and then you have uh, Syria and Egypt. Uh, Egypt is starting to uh, get crazy again. Uh, Syria is, I don't, I, Syria is a, a powder keg, in my opinion, um, because this isn't like Libya or Egypt. This is different. Syria is 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 way different. Yeah. Um, they're tied in with Iran. They're tied in with Hezbollah. They're tied in with uh, Hamas. There's just there's so many. Uh, variables that go along with Syria that this should be very it, it, can, it should concern a lot of people quite frankly uh, what's going on in it especially in Syria but um, and again kind of tying this along with the Occupy movement the conspiracy theories kind of surrounding what's going on in the Middle East um, is this kind of a proving ground for surveillance tactics law enforcement tactics, uh, non-lethal weapons. Um, basically, is this, are these, is somebody starting these riots and these demonstrations to fine-tune a uh, police state apparatus that's going to be used in the near future? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I just... I would uh, have to say that's an uh, that question is up in the air as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Um, you ha- when you have this many riot, this many forms of riots and protests and just uh, destabilizing sort of events going on in the world, we've had we've seen the militarization of the police force mm-hmm. in this country over the past decade. Um, I was on Coast to Coast AM a few months ago talking about Miami, uh, the city of Miami that was going to get drones, uh, former military drones to use. Um, there was also a story I talked about here on the show in Utah where they're, they're going to have some kind of a, uh, unmanned aerial vehicle that's going to, um, monitor parts of Utah. And now there's a story coming out of, um, I believe it's Texas, uh, where they're going to get their police department is going to have uh, drones. Wow. These uh, and they look like big remote control helicopters, um, but they're going to get these drones. They procured them through a federal grant. Huh. Um, they have uh, infrared capability that can read license plates uh, up to a height of I think it was twelve hundred feet. Um, so I'm thinking, why does, you know, why does a police department necessarily need an unmanned drone that can be f- basically flown from a laptop computer? And it all goes back to these Occupy demonstrations, the, the Arab Spring, now the things that are happening in Syria and Egypt and, and Libya. Um, you know, is, is, is there more to this? Um, or is it just what it seems to be? I think there's more to it, to be yeah. quite honest with you. And then there's the the really big conspiracy theory, and that is is all of this, all, you know, are all of these things that are going on, is that just a diversion to keep us 
focused on this when there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you when there's uh, something like this that everybody's focused on in the media, you've got to try to look left and right and see what else is going on in the world. Yeah. Um, and think, wait a minute, our attention is on the Arab Spring, or our attention is on Syria, what else is going on? Mm-hmm. And the economic situation is out of control, especially uh, with what's going on in Europe. Now this uh, this super committee uh, that was in Congress failed to reach any kind of uh, deficit reduction or whatever they were trying to do. Um, so we've got an economic mess. And it just seems like we're, we're getting to the point where there's this perfect storm of things that are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And... It just seems like coincidentally this perfect storm is leading up to the year 2012. Hmm. Which, and you know, the, speaking of the riots, uh, or speaking of the Occupy movement and some of the riots worldwide, uh, someone that predicted that several years ago was Gerald Salente, who actually has recently become a victim of the MF Global crash. Right. Uh, he was investing in gold through Lynn Waldock, which was a company that actually I had inquired about years ago, and they aggressively tried to get me to invest in their commodity uh, funds, but I never got around to it. Thank, thank the Lord for that. <laughs> uh, but he he's lost uh, six in in essence six figures of. Uh, he was going to take physical delivery of gold in December. Well, it turned out the person he was dealing with signed him up for gold futures, just the paper representation. No. And uh, he's out six figures. And he is mad. So I'm going to try to get him on the show again real soon. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's he been a victim of a lot of this uh, corrupt investing that's been going on lately. That's, you know, and that's crazy. And that's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it just seems like the conditions are being set up yeah. for something uh, major, you know what yeah. I mean, something, something massive. What's your take, um, Bruce, on what's going on in Europe economically? Uh, and first of all, regarding Gerald Salente, I would say to people, make sure that whatever you're investing in, it's solid and that you actually have ownership of something. Um, obviously, you can't always do that with stocks, but uh, just be careful right now what what you're doing. You you don't want to put everything into anything, you know, right now. Anyway, I'm sure Gerald Salente it, it damaged him, but it didn't uh, destroy him completely. Uh, but uh, getting back to your question about Europe, um, I read an article uh, last week that uh, Ben Bernanke they believe is chomping at the bit to bail out Europe, and uh, in, in doing so, that's going to be creating more U.S. dollars, which is going to uh, weaken our purchasing power at home. But uh, we may be able to help these countries kind of prop them up for now. So that may be the next phase is uh, more money printing, how that reflects on ultimately what I think is going to be hyperinflation. I don't know. I think we're going to see some... uh, some price increases as a result of it. We're in it, so we're probably that's probably what we're going to have to do. And it'll probably I would imagine be done sort of in secret. The Federal Reserve doesn't report to the government. They don't tell them where the money goes. So I imagine that uh, the Federal Reserve here the the central bank will help to prop up the European economy. Uh, I think that's the next step. How have we, how have we dodged inflation, like we have for the past decade or so? Because it just seems like, yeah, it just seems like inflation should be right. almost like Carter well, era level. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's, let's pretend you, me, and the listener listening right now is. Hopefully, we have more than one listener, but let's personalize it. That listener right there that's listening, you right there, you're part of this story. So let's pretend we're all on an island. You grow beans. I take coconuts off of the palm trees. Our last person uh, 
creates money. He doesn't have a product to sell us, so he creates money. So he creates $100. So the beans are worth, say, $20, and the, the coconuts are worth $20 each. Well, when he runs out of paper, he needs to create some more paper. And each time he creates more paper, the prices go up. Here's where it gets tricky, though. In a country like the United States, when all the jobs go overseas and we're importing all of the products from China, they created a phony deflation. They, they created cheaper products than could be made in the United States because they were paying their employees less and they could create five-cent Pez dispensers that some store could sell for $2.00. So it, it created a, a phony deflation when the jobs went overseas. The unfortunate thing about that is, though, we've been labeled as consumers. But what happens as we gradually lose our jobs? It becomes harder and harder for us to buy these things. And so we create problems in China. And the more American dollars that they're taking on, they're, they're going to get tired of holding our debt in return for these you know cheap products so but in the short term that's how we've dodged def- uh, inflation is a lot of currency US dollars have been sloshing around the world if it had been contained to at home where this wasn't a global market we would have seen inflation 15 years ago right and that's that's my point i was it just seems like we should have felt uh, more of an impact yeah. of inflation, and we really haven't. Yeah. But you're saying that those chickens are going to come home to roost uh, soon. They have to eventually. They they have to. But it's been masked for now. But that's why you see like oil prices that have gone up and and other things is that you can't totally mask it, but you can you can mask it if your if your television sets are going down every year. And that, that also creates phony uh, CPI numbers. They, they measure the things that are uh, coming in overseas that are going down in price, but they, they'll change things. That when the housing market was going up, they were counting rent uh, as part of the CPI. They, they got away from, from housing. <laughs> so the, these numbers are phony. They're, they're doctored. But yeah, you look, but, I, and the CPI is the Consumer Price Index. Is that what yeah. you? Yeah. Now, w- one good way of of seeing inflation is at the grocery store. A lot of that stuff is grown in the United States, and and all of us, I think, have seen prices increase at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. That's so that's point. that's one one way they haven't been able to mask inflation. But if you keep getting poorer and poorer countries to crank out products. You can kind of mask it. The problem is it, it, it won't go on forever. Right, exactly. Do you think we're going to get to the point of, say, um, Zimbabwe or Weimar, Germany? It's hard, to, you know, it's hard to say because it, 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 ultimately the American voter and the, the average American um, is in charge I think unless we get that martial law or that total uh, meltdown, a totalitarian state, if the American people still have the ability to make changes, I think that that they'll see this coming and and hopefully we'll dodge a bullet. But there's going to be a lot of pain in trying to come back from that. I mean, I could look at it strictly as a prophetic thing and say, no, we're never going to get out of this. But I don't do that because I don't want to deny something that we as Americans probably should be doing, and that's educating ourselves on what's going on and trying to make a difference. You know, So we, it could change or it could go the way of Zimbabwe. It's really, um, it's really hard for me to say at this point. Yeah, that would be... Uh, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> if it oh, yeah. went the went the way of Zimbabwe, that would be absolutely horrible. It would, yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. I mean, do you think it could get that? I don't think it get it could get that bad. I think you know I, the United States. I think we're just a little more. Uh, I think we're just a little more industrious. I think we're just we have a lot more going for us as a country as far as resources than uh, than maybe a Zimbabwe does. 
or uh, maybe a pre-World War II Germany. Yeah. But it, I don't know, maybe I'm idealistic. It's, no, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the, the U.S. dollar is a better investment than the euro, obviously, and, and there are other currencies that are doing much worse. So it's really hard to say, and I don't want to state something definitively, but um, it could happen, uh, but we pray that it doesn't. Right. <laughs> because it's, that means, yeah. you know, unfortunately, I, I would advise people to go on Google uh, YouTube, pardon me, and put in Argentina hyperinflation, and there's a 12-part series. It's, I believe, in in uh, a Latin American language, but there are subtitles, and uh, it explains what happened in Argentina. And it almost looks like a template for what could happen in the United States, and it's brutal what it does to families and little kids and the medical situation and the banks, you know, people can't get their money out and then their money's worth a lot less and that country bailed out American banks, you know, with Argentinians' money. They elected people on the right and they and the country got worse. They elected people on the left and the country got worse. International corporations went in there and gutted the country like Fiat and IBM and and I uh, probably get in trouble for saying that, but uh, it's in the video, so go to YouTube and check it out. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it just seems like uh, this is uh, the things going on in the world today. It just seems like a recipe for disaster. Yep, and uh, we're running out of time, but let me say real quick. Nick Redfern has a new article. I don't know how the guy does it. He cranks out articles every week and books every other month. But he talks about the 65th anniversary of the birth of the modern UFO era on the Secret Sun website. Uh, it says, Nick Redfern is on fire. There's a story about Yeti nests found in Russia. Those would have to be pretty big nests. Anyways, that's on Live Science. There's an article about scientists mutate bird flu to make it more contagious. That's on the Mail Online and uh, many other excellent stories. Uh, Chad, thank you so much. This was a great uh, Chad Miles report. We're going to be morphing this show into Conspiria with Chad Miles, and I'll be joining you on that program right there at FringeRadioNetwork.com. Chad, thanks for being here this week. Hey, thanks for having me, Bruce, and stay on the fringe. And we didn't have too many weird anomalies this week, so someone was looking out for us. Somebody was praying for us. That's right. Take care, everybody. Okay. I feel a burp coming on. Make sure that doesn't get under the air. <laughs> yeah, which reminds me, I should take a drink real quick. <sighs> okay, I was watching the debate. All right. Uh, yeah, eh, it was same old stuff. Seems like there's one every week. Okay, wait. That's a. That's a. That's my. Craggly voice. I can't do that for you. Huh? <coughs> One, two, three. Okay, now I'm ready. Actually, what they say to lower your voice for radio, they say move your diaphragm in and out, breathe in and out. Like, and then they say go like as low as you can get. And then your voice goes lower like this. 13 past the hour here at KCBS. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll start. Kingdom of Love. Yeah, yeah. Ross Mitchell. Okay. Five, four, three. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. Two, one. Welcome back to the Bruce Collins Show. Well, we survived Black Friday. We survived Thanksgiving. And we survived another debate. This time it was the CNN uh, security debate, national security.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.